with a look back over the weekend sport action. This is Full Time on KCLR. Yes, and a very good evening and welcome into full time here with myself, Mark and Quilty, on this Monday evening. Hopefully you are all doing well after the weekend and a busy weekend we have had of live sport here on KCLR 96FM. Coming up on this evening's show, we will be talking very soon to Willie Quinlan, who is going to be talking all things Carlo football. We'll have two-time All-Ireland winner Adrian Ronan, who I caught up with a little bit earlier on today to discuss the Dylan Quirk Foundation match yesterday. Eddie Scally will be coming on later in the programme to talk to me about Red Mills Day in Goran last Saturday. And to finish it all off, we are going to be talking Camogie with the award-winning co-host of Come On Kind, Anya Farrell, who will be joining me here in studio. But right now, if I push this fella here, I should be joined on the line by the great man himself, Mr. Willie Quillen. Willie, thank you for holding on there for me. How are you this evening? Evening, Martin. Very good. You were in Netwatch Cullen Park uh, yesterday with the game with Carlo versus Leash. It was a disappointing result in the end. There was six points in it, 2-8 to Carlo, 1-17 to Leash. But a lot of supporters and a lot of people coming out of the ground said a six-point defeat. Willie was very harsh on Carlo. Yeah, definitely, Martin. Um, I, I think they deserved a lot more out of the game. Obviously, they didn't get it in Leash. Uh, really, really dug deep. I mean, Leash didn't score for 21 minutes in the first half, almost 21 minutes, and they were to be very disappointed. But they finished strong the last 10 minutes uh, in, the, in the first half and ended up one five to eight points. And we were just discussing at halftime how <laughs> sport is is just unreal because Carlo, I won't say they owned the ball, but they looked they looked a better team. They had five wides in the first half. Leash barely got on the on the scoreboard after 21 minutes and still went in. One five to eight points level, so very disappointing that way. And Carlo did come out and kick the first point of the second half. Uh, I think Leash kicked the point after that, and Carlo stepped it up and kicked a great goal. But there was a period then for fifteen minutes where Leash kicked seven points in a row, and that just really, you know, put an end to, to Carlo's hopes. I know uh, Paul Kingston, centre forward, he ended up getting the, a late goal to, to put six points in it. It definitely wasn't a six point victory. But um, they still Leash came away with the two points, Martin. I heard uh, Niall Carew talking with Brendan afterwards in his post-match interview, and he was talking about what he felt was a stonewall penalty to Carlo that would have potentially put him seven points up, whereas Leash went down the other end of the field, scored a point, and brought it back to three. So between that uh, not penalty being given and the gift of a goal, really that uh, Carlo did give away to Leash, like this game would have been an awful lot closer. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I think a couple of turning points. That was that was one turning point. It definitely looked like a penalty from where we were looking. Uh, I think it was Niall Hickey who came through on the goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper definitely two feet out blocked it with one of the feet, one of his foot. Uh, really, really close. They say like if it's a block and it's two or three feet away, that can't be helped. But this was right foot to foot, so definitely was a dangerous tackle, and it looked like a penalty. But the big t- turning point for me, Carlo were two points up. Leash were on the attack. Um, they held Evan O'Carroll had the ball and two players got around him. Evan had a shot. It went wide. And then what happened after that was uh, Mikey Bambrick actually pushed Evan O'Carroll to the ground. Referee brought the ball back into play, gave a free, and now we're only a point up. Leash win the, the kick out, get the last point before half time. We're going in level. If that didn't happen, if Mikey Bambrick just continued on with the play, we got the kick out, maybe get another score, we go in three points up and now you're 
have a different team talk at half time. But I suppose uh, being emotion run very high, I suppose uh, Carlo and Leash, they're such a close uh, proxy of, of players around. Three guys from Greg almost on the borderline, uh, one from Collection. Um, you know, there, there's a scatter of uh, Owen Lowry's in there, Evan O'Carroll, not too far from Carlo. So it was a, a tense affair and it was always going to be a, a tough match to play in. But emotions definitely running high. And I suppose when Mikey Bambrick she- shepherded the ball out uh, as a wide, he got a little bit overexcited, pushed Evan to the ground. And that kind of changed the game for me. But Carlo did play, looked to play really good football and did play really well, you know, at times. But seemed to run out of steam in the last 10 or 15 minutes. And Leash really took over, and you could see Paul Kingston ended up with one ten, albeit eight points from freeze. And that's the one thing that we have been talking about, Martin, is the discipline coming from the Carlo players. But again, we gave away ten frees that that uh, Leash has scored. Mark Barry scored two with the left foot, and Paul Kingston scored uh, eight frees to add to his tally of one ten. And at that level, you can't give away that many frees, especially in the scoring area. And we just keep giving them away. There, there is a, a lot of a lot of people not happy with the referee. We weren't happy yesterday with him. But again, I, I was talking to a guy this morning, a good friend of mine, Brendan Hayden, and he said there's, the initiatives come from Crow Park. So Crow Park dish out the changes and uh, the referees only implement them. So we can give out about referees, but the, the changes come from Crow Park. And you could definitely see it because I, I watched the game when I came home, Dublin and, and Cork after coming off from the Carlo and Leash match. And there was two two red cards, one from Dublin and one from Cork. And there's no way they could have been, couldn't have been uh, red cards. But there's a new initiative, obviously, from the Crow Park. And that's what's happening. And they're giving every little foul. It's either a take, a yellow card, and, and the second one is a red. And it's just destroying the game, in my view. I'll come back to the referee in a minute, uh, because obviously Niall had a lot to say about that in the post-match as well. Um my train of thought has gone there now at the minute, but Carlo did have uh, two injuries in Conor Crowley and Colm Holton. Oh, that's what I was going to come back to. Um, he he bemoaned the fussiness of the, the referee, but also he did acknowledge that there was some stupid freeze that was being given away as well, like little pulls of the jerseys or, you know, tugging the arm and lazy tackles is what I would call him to give Leash a chance. But he did mention the referee, and I actually watched the Dublin and Cork game as well, and I am a referee and I don't like bashing referees. But mother of God, Willie, you're dead right. I mean, what the red cards was given for in that game, I will never know. And I mean, if people are going to watch uh, Gaelic football and go to matches, um, something is seriously going to have to be done about it because I don't want to be bashing the referees either. Um, they have a tough job and it, it isn't nice to be going out to do it. But really, the, the fellas at the weekend weren't helping themselves because the rules are there, but I don't even know what rules they were implementing. Yeah, well, definitely, but definitely the rules are coming from Croke Park, Martin. So the referees are just implementing them, and it, and it, it is frustrating. You could actually see the players who who that who were giving away the fouls actually had a chat with the referee, but he didn't allow them to speak back back to him. Four times on four occasions, he brought the ball up maybe ten, fifteen meters to make the freeze that that little bit easier. But um, it, it is the game is is just changing, and and going back to Cork and and, and Dublin. There's no way that there should have been two red cards. Definitely, um, the rules are definitely after being changed somewhat from for this year. But um, and we don't, as you say, we don't want to be bashing referees. They're only implemented what they're told from Crow Park. They're obviously being assessed, and if they don't implement what they're told, maybe they, they won't get the games that they're looking for. But uh, something has to be done about the rules at, at the minute because they'll have different rules for the championship come come July or August. So uh, for the league, <coughs> it seems to be. It's either a yellow 
and the next one is a red card straight away, and that's that's very hard to very hard to watch. And nobody seems to be uh, have to ask the referee any questions. He'll move the ball ten, fifteen yards, and players look to be bemused by me from the sideline. Um, they're wondering, you know, how come that's a foul or wasn't a foul maybe three months ago and there's rules that have been changed or are the players aware of the rules that have been changed because it definitely didn't seem so in the two or three games that I've been over the weekend Is Niall correct in his thought process here that it's getting very hard even to coach teams now when it comes to the tackle because different referees seem to differ on the tackle count I mean he was bemoaning that a couple of decisions that didn't go uh, against Leash were the exact same things that he was pulling the Carlo players for and he did mention last year like in terms of the referee and where maybe a more experienced referee that's doing All-Ireland semi-finals or the All-Ireland final was refereeing a game different to maybe that the fellas were at the weekend as well so is it getting more hard to try and implement a technique to actually tackle fairly without giving away a free? Yeah, it certainly is because it's it's becoming impossible. Actually, you very seldom now see a shoulder to shoulder. Players are so quick and so smart, and they're able to turn their bodies in a certain way. It's it's very difficult. It it, it was an art in in the past where you'd see a guy coming over tackle and you'd meet him square on with a shoulder. But anything sideways, half half back back, they're just given a outsider a yellow card, certainly a free. And it's it's must be frustrating for players and for coaches who are trying to implement a tackle where. A near hand has to go in, but it certainly can't go in on the arm, can't go in on the hand. It has to touch the ball, and that that seems to be the way. If you touch a hand or touch touch a, an arm, it's esteemed as a little drag back. You touch a jersey. Now I know you can't get away with dragging jerseys or pulling guys back either, but it just seems to be. You'd nearly want a referee to come into a team the week before and uh, actually go through the rules what you can and can't do in a game because it's gone it's gone very uh, finicky at the minute. And uh, as I say, we don't be bashing referees, but um, it, it's common sense and a lot a, a lot can prevail in a lot of the ways. And it just didn't seem to be like 10 yellow cards and four reds yesterday in a game that there wasn't one dirty belt in. It's just it's just uh, unbelievable in, in my terms. Yeah, it's, it's, it's anyway. mind boggling to be fair. Carlo though are still in the uh, league uh, hunt, uh, Willie, there. In just looking at the table here, sixth place at the minute, just slightly behind Wexford, uh, who are ahead of them. But there's three teams there and three points Wicklow, Wexford, and Carlo. Uh, Leitrim and Sligo are on four points apiece, uh, apiece rather. Uh, Leash out in front and way out in front. And I think if they keep winning their matches um, and Carlo can get over the line against Leitrim and Sligo, they're still in with a great chance of qualifying and getting promotion out of Division 4. Yeah, a huge game next weekend is, is Leitrim and Leitrim will be looking to bounce back after being beaten yesterday by four points. Uh, Wexford uh, kicked the last five points of the game actually to, to, to turn it over so that would have been a great win for Wexford. So Wexford on three, Wicklow on three and Carlow on three, uh, Leitrim on four and as you say, Leitrim out in front and deservedly so with, with uh, six points. Uh, we can't emphasise enough how big the game next weekend is and obviously you know, Leitrim beat uh, Watford early on uh, Carlo beat them as well and they lost again at the weekend so they they mightn't be sure of where they are they've won two games and have be, been beaten Sunday but they'll be looking to bounce back but no reason why Carlo uh, can't push on and, and uh, you know be confident enough for going up to Leitrim and getting a result just looking at the Leash game I think they're playing Wicklow next weekend now Evan O'Carroll got a straight red and so did Brian Bourne and they're going to be two huge losses for, uh, for Leash Evan scored three points and uh, Brian Bourne got two and that's five points from play so the two reds could make a huge difference to them um, I know Shane Boogie got a, a, a straight red as well for Carlo so he's going to be a loss for Carlo as well but 
and the in, an injury came in the early in the with Conor Crowley and that made a, a massive difference. Um, he's a player that has been really on form. He, he attacks the defence as soon as he gets the ball. Real direct player and uh, he's a huge loss and hopefully he'll be back ne- next uh, Sunday and as we say, a huge game ahead of us uh, against Leitrim at the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Well, all going uh, guns blazing that, uh, you know, Carlo can come out of it, keep uh, progressing along nicely, Willie, and get promotion out of Division 4. And I know that Darrow O'Brien is still to come back as well. And I think he's going to be in contention for uh, potentially a spot against Leitrim. So that'll be good news on the Carlo front as well. Yeah, surely will. Huge experience with both club and county. Um, he picked up an injury last year, a knee that ended up in a bruise on the bone and it's taken such a long, long time to heal and hopefully he'll be back because he's a guy that's super fit, can carry a ball, he's able to get a score and he'd be a great man to have on the line to bring in. Um, yesterday you could see the little bit of inexperience that they were looking to bring in. They had guys, I suppose, um, Cormac Lomax come in, wouldn't have played a huge amount of inter-county football. Liam Roberts has been there for a while but you know, the, the the likes of the leash, leashes and the bigger teams have that um, more bigger panels and, and probably better quality on the line. And that's something that we just need to work on in the next next while that we can give guys plenty of experience over the league campaign and hopefully push on. And it's, it's not beyond us, you know, to, 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 uh, to get promotion at the minute because after Leitrim lost there and other teams will beat other teams, but... It uh, just makes it difficult after yesterday, after losing the two points. OK, well, Willie, I really appreciate you joining me again on full time and giving us the lowdown of Carlo. And of course, that game is in uh, Leitrim from uh, Carrick on Shannon at two o'clock on Sunday, the 26th of February. And we wish Carlo the very best of luck in that one. So until probably next Monday evening, uh, Willie, thank you very much for joining us and we'll talk to you very soon. Lovely. Thanks, Martin. Thank Her- you. Good man. Thank you. That was Willie Quinlan, of course, there from Carlo discussing all things Carlo football. I have a break to take. Don't go anywhere because we'll be hearing from two-time All-Ireland winning legend Adrian Ronan uh, when we come back. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny. LahartzVolkswagen.ie your Monday night sports show, full time on KCLOR with Martin Quilty. Yes, thank you very much and welcome back into Scoreline here with myself. The dinnersready.ie contact line is open and available on 083 306 9696 if anyone has any comments to make about any of the matches over the weekend, whether it be the Hurland or Carlo footballers. Earlier on today, I caught up with uh, Adrian Ronnie Ronan, the two-time All-Ireland winner, and he was talking to me about a very special game that was going on in FBT Semper Stadium in Thurles yesterday. It was in aid of the Dylan Quirk Foundation, and here's what Ronnie had to say to me. I'm delighted to be joined on the phone now by the great two-time All-Ireland winner, Adrian Ronnie Ronan. Adrian, how are you this evening? Man, Martin, not too bad, thank you. Good, because you had a, a busy afternoon yesterday. We were in FPD Semper Stadium in Thurles. It wasn't for a league game, it wasn't for a championship game, but it was for a very special occasion. The Dylan Quirk Foundation charity game between Kilkenny and Tipperary. And what a rip-roaring contest it ended up to be. 4.20 to Kilkenny and 25 to Tipperary. But uh, the scoreline doesn't really matter, Ronnie. It was all for a very worthy cause. Uh, tell us who that cause was for. Yeah, it was obviously a very special day in the Tipperary calendar, unfortunately. It's not a day they wanted to uh, have, a, especially considering the tragic circumstances 
of the death of poor um, young Quirk, uh, Dylan Quirk, last August. Uh, and his club and his family had agreed to uh, to set up a fund, which was very important. And that fund, obviously, is to make awareness of sudden adult death syndrome, which affects 100 people's lives every year. Uh, well, it takes, takes 100 people, young lives in Ireland every year. And the foundation's aim was to raise awareness and is to raise awareness and save lives by screening every GA player, both male and female, from the age of 12 upwards. So that's the aim of the fund and uh, part of that fund and fundraising there has been a number of events in conjunction with Clonalty Rossmore he's, he's hurling club and the Tipperary uh, hurling fraternity along with obviously the Dylan Quirk Foundation so as a result this game was uh, organised there was over 5,000 people in attendance on the day wow. they, they got huge support online and through all the various GoFundMe pages and they remain open it seems and um, the different social links to help donate for that match so by all accounts they were very happy with the response they've got so far and obviously it's a special uh, charity and obviously uh, to make awareness as we said of of, uh, sudden adult death syndrome as you rightly said the game didn't really matter other than it mattered to the players involved, possibly, uh, and the management, but the result didn't matter, as shall we say. But um, there was a lot of players on both teams fighting for panel space. Would you believe, Martin, there was 46 people named on both panels yesterday. Well, there was certainly wow. 46 on the Kenny panel. So you know as a commentator as well, trying to manage 15 is hard <laughs> enough, trying to drive 46 lads, and nobody um, in the pitch side making any, advising of any changes, so you were using your eye and the skill of Mickey Welsh beside me to try and uh, look at the Kilkenny lads alone. So it was a, a busy afternoon for that alone. But the game itself was very good, very entertaining. As we said, uh, some players stood up and made themselves uh, be counted and more, um, as we said, uh, consolidated their place on the Kilkenny band. Yeah, the the sudden death syndrome, I suppose, was brought to highlight in, back in 2004 when the late Cormac McAnallan of Tyrone actually passed away with the same uh, condition and there was a big push and a big roundup of all the clubs back then as well Ronnie it seemed to die down a small little bit in the last number of years but certainly uh, Dylan's uh, passing last August and especially in the middle of a match as well uh, in the same venue in FBD Semper Stadium has really brought it home to an awful lot of people and it's prevalent in young adults at the minute like there's a lot of people have been uh, put down uh, well I won't say put down but they have been stood down from playing by doctors because of the condition and just to make sure that it is safe before they go back out and start playing again yeah unfortunately it's it's an illness that unfortunately some people and kids uh, up to the as I said down to the age of under 12 may not be aware of so this is why the screening is so important and the Dylan Quirk Foundation and the parents Dan and Hazel have uh, agreed to, for, to use the Dylan Quirk Foundation to make people aware of it and obviously to help save lives by getting the screening done for all males and females as we said from the age of 12 upwards, because sometimes this can go undetected and unnoticed by the medical profession. And obviously it's hugely important for everybody that's playing sport, and I suppose in our case, the GA uh, family of camogie footballers and, and hurlers and handballers, of course. So, yeah, it's very important. And as we said, it's a worthy foundation, and hopefully the Clonelty Ross Moore and the Dylan Kirk Foundation group and team continue uh, with their awareness which they will do there's a very very strong 
uh, connection up there. I spoke to a number of people uh, um, off air yesterday that I know from Clonality, and it's a very hard time for everyone concerned with Tipperary boys and girls. They have a very strong camogie club up there, as you know well as well. I do, yeah. And there's a lot of people affected by the sad passing of Dylan Kirk because he was in the prime, 24 years of age, and um, obviously in the prime of his health and in the prime of his hurling career. And it's, it's a huge, huge blow to the, the family, uh, of course, but to the Tipperary and the Clonulty Club in, in, in particular, because an awful lot of people, as I said, uh, had um, a connection with Dylan Quirk. So they're hurting up there in Clonulty, Rossmore, and this is their way of trying to give back something to the Hurling family, as I said, to make people aware of it. So look, a very, very worthy cause, a very good uh, success, and uh, hopefully people, if they wish, they can still contribute to that as I said, through those media outlets and through the GoFundMe page. And I suppose was fitting the only way that that was going to be possible with an event organised was to have a Harlan match in the same venue that he would have graced during training sessions and played his very last competitive match there back in August as well. So no doubt that it was a very special moment for the uh, the whole of the Quirk family and indeed uh, Clonalty Ross Moore, his club and for Tipperary GA in general as well. And great that the people did turn out. And as you said, those links uh, are still available. So if anyone does want to donate to the foundation, you can still do so uh, by going on to all of the social media accounts that has been spread around the uh, the counties uh, over the past weekend so we would encourage anyone that wants to do that to do it it is a really worthy cause Ronnie I suppose going back to the match and while you did mention it that there was 46 on the panel and there's places up for grabs in it I couldn't but help notice that yourself and Mickey Welsh had a small little gripe and maybe gripe is the wrong word but he certainly felt that maybe the team that was out against Tipperary last Sunday was a bit stronger than the team that was out against Tipperary in the National League only a week before it albeit Tipperary did start with uh, very few of the team that did start in Nolan Park the week before but uh, it certainly seemed to be a good strong team and the lads that was out playing certainly put their hand up for a starting spot uh, next weekend Yeah well look it seems like that the Kilkenny panel of 46 has to be reduced as you know again being involved in teams uh, cost that were involved here so you can't carry 46 players uh, on a panel so Kilkenny are maybe if you're Dublin unless you're Dublin of course or Limerick maybe but um, Kilkenny and Derek Ling have to reduce that I'm not sure the exact number of who they have to reduce or how many people will be uh, let go or retired for the minute but there will be people to lose out that's why it's so important Kilkenny started would you believe with nine of the players that played some part uh, in the All Ireland last year, so we were very, we were particularly strong. Uh, Tipperary, to, to, to be fair to them, and Liam Cad, they had four or five injuries. They had a very expensive match in Kilkenny last weekend. They lost Paddy Cadell, Niall O'Mara, to name two straight away, and Cottle Barrett, of course. So they were down, I think, seven or eight of the so-called uh, top fifteen or twenty players that they needed. So they they were shy. But from Kilkenny's point of view, um, we did start with a very strong team. Uh, we did then run in a lot of the panellists or new to the panel but the fact that the few Ballyhay lads were back made it particularly sharp at different times the Ballyhay lads made a major contribution and they were particularly sharp again without mentioning too many names or letting down anyone but Paddy Mullen was very good in the middle of the field Ronan Cork was very good when he came on Evan Sheffield was very good when he came on and then the usual suspects were also very good but I suppose that the people that were making a claim and um, trying to maybe impress you couldn't but uh, mention Garrow Dunn scored in 3-1 and that's no pressure on him that his uh, contribution was massive of course 
brother of Kira Dunn, who won an All Ireland with Loretto the weekend. Um, so the blood is, is is strong there. The bloodline is strong. But he had you just look without putting pressure on the chap. He was very good, uh, along with the usual suspects, as I said, and Paddy Mullen in particular. So of the new people that we mightn't have mentioned, and uh, it's great to see Conor Delaney back from injury. Oh, and we seem to have lost uh, Ronnie there just at the end of it. Um, but uh, my thanks to Adrian for catching up with me there earlier on. Don't know what happened there, but anyway, uh, you get the gist of it. Great uh, atmosphere was had, a uh, very worthy cause. And we've had a text message into the dinnersready.ie line here from a Tipperary supporter. Hi, I'm from Tipperary. I want to thank Kilkenny and Derek Ling for coming and make the charity happen. Well done to everyone involved. So thank you very much, Texter. Right, I'm going to take another quick break. Don't go anywhere. When I come back, I'm going to have Mr. Eddie Scally on the phone line, the general marriage from Gorn Park Racecourse. So we'll be back after this short break. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, laheartsskoda.ie. Looking back over the weekend action, full time on KCLOR with Martin Quilty. Yes, welcome back here to Full Time with myself this Monday evening. Now, we're going to go straight to the phone line and to join the general manager from Gorm Park Racecourse, Mr. Eddie Scally, of course, the host of Friday Night Scoreline. So, role reversal tonight compared to what it was last Friday night. Good evening, Eddie. How are you this evening? I'm very good, Martin. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a very busy day again for yourselves out in Gorham Park last Saturday. It's the highlight of the year for the Red Mills crew and tickets were like gold dust, I believe, to get out there as well. Tell us all about it. Uh, had you much of a crowd turn up on Saturday? Yeah, look, we were we were delighted. We had a full house on Saturday, so that's the, you know, it's the first time for us, I'd say, in a long, long time that we had to put the sold-out signs on the door. Uh, we physically couldn't take any more, but there was, a, there was a brilliant turnout, I'd say. It was just just under 11,000 people there enjoying the races. Now, you know, the weather played its part. It was cold, but it stayed dry. But it was just it was just a brilliant, brilliant day. You know, people started arriving very early. Um, and they weren't let down with the standard of racing we had on the day. There was, there was really, really exciting racing, some really, really good horses. But in general, I think the general team around the place, was it was just a really good, fun day. There was a very visible younger crowd, um, you know, with their usual racing officiados, they were there in, in force. But it was, it was great to see so many kind of younger people all dressed up for the day and, and, and really enjoying themselves. And, you know, that's what horse racing is about. It's a social event to get out there in the fresh air and have a bit of fun. Exactly, that's exactly what you want and great to see a big crowd out there with yourselves. I have to admit, I wouldn't be a huge horse race and aficionado or anything that way, but when you look at it and you look at the results, obviously one name comes out of it and that is Willie Mullins or Willie Mullins I should say he had a double witchy uh, last Saturday of course pairing up with the great Rachel Blackmore I mean she's a fantastic jockey you'd know all about her and her exploits as well being uh, part of Gordon Park and she's been there for many a year but was there any of the other was say local trainers around that might have had success with she on Saturday? Yeah, look, you know, Willie, as you said, he he had a good double on the day. Um, I suppose he would have been disappointed that Sharjah didn't win the Red Mills hurdle, but Rachel, Julia Blight and Janadil in the Red Mills chase would probably go for the Ryanair at Cheltenham. So that would be the real standout winner of the day. Gordon Elliott, of course, would be the second biggest trainer in Irish racing, and he had a double on the day as well. His horse, Fildor, uh, lowered the colours of Willie's Sharjah in the Red Mills hurdle. 
and he finished off with a heat a winner in the bumper with better days ahead uh, I've never seen a horse more impressive than this um, it's, it's one I'd write down and I can absolutely <clears throat> I guarantee this horse is going on to big big things it was so impressive it won the bumper by half the track it was it was just it was just unbelievable to, to see it there in the flesh I was on the track for that race but the only kind of the other backstories on the day I suppose Dermot McLaughlin he had a really bad accident uh, last week broke his leg in three places but his horse um, Ottoman Style won as well at I think it was a big price around twenty twenty five to one as well so it was lovely for him it was you know it'd be a great tonic to have a winner like that on the day um, but you know unfortunately I suppose there was none of our local trainers the usual the Tom Mullins or the Tonys or the Joseph O'Brien none of them kind of hit the scoreboard on the day it was you know, Gordon and Willie dominating proceedings, and then Aaron McLaughlin as well. Obviously, it was, it was lovely to see him getting a winner. But it was, you know, it's very competitive racing. You know, Redmond's day is right up there with the biggest days in Irish racing. Now it's 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 a box office fixture. There's a couple of graded races and stuff. So, like, you know, that's the business end of the championship for for the big trainers, and that's why you find that the likes of the Gordon Elliotts and the Willie Mullins, the Henry de Bromheads, and Joseph Bryan's come to the fore on the big days like that. I suppose coming up next month as well, everybody is going to be talking about Cheltenham and you mentioned Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott, uh, two of the big names that would probably have a big contingent going to Cheltenham. Any front runners in uh, your view that uh, might be coming up or might be worth a punt, Eddie, during the Cheltenham Festival? Yeah, look, you know, Cheltenham, you know, it's 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 it's, it's always called the Olympics of, of the sport and it is the Olympics of, of our sport. Um, when I when I look at Cheltenham, Martin, I always kind of look at it through the Gorham Park eyes. I'd be looking at horses that won with us during the season and see, you know, can I find a line of form that might bring them to Cheltenham? And I think based on that, I I would imagine the horse that won our Galway Hurdle uh, this year, um, Tihupu, would be the biggest horse that I'd be looking forward to seeing at Cheltenham in the World Hurdle. A horse trained by Gordon Elliott won the Galway Hurdle really impressively in Gorham. I think it is a brilliant chance over in Cheltenham, as does Joseph O'Brien's home by the Lee in the same race, who was also placed in Gorn. And I think the horse that won at the weekend, Janadil, he, he really throws himself into the into the Ryanair chase um, market now. I think he's about third or fourth favourite, around eight or ten to one. He'd be one I'd definitely be trying to stay on the right side of, I think, <clears throat> the way he won at the weekend. You know, he was very, very impressive. Rachel gave him a brilliant ride. Came from last to first in the last couple of stri- in the last couple of fences, I should say. But just jumped really straight and really proper. He was a, looked really, really good. And I think I wouldn't be putting anybody off the back of him. And the other one as well, and people will tell you I'm mad for saying this one, anyone that knows horses, but there was a horse in the Redmond's chase called Compadano. And I think he's a proper horse. And that was his first run of the season. And his next run is going to be in the Gold Cup. And I think he'll give them all a lot to think about. I don't know if he'll win the Gold Cup, but he'd be a huge price. He'd be around 50 to 1 or 60 to 1. I think he'd be one. I, I wouldn't be putting people off back in each way. And then from a local's perspective, uh, another Mullins, you know, one of the smaller trainers of the Mullins, but he's had a, such a great start to his career, Emmett Mullins. His grand national winner, Noble Yates, won in Wexford earlier in the year, won in Aintree as well. He's a proper horse, and I think he'll probably end up being my horse for the Gold Cup this year. But I just think the horse Campadano that ran in Gorn the other day at about fifty to one for the Gold Cup. I think he'll take my two euro each way, and we'll see if I can get a bit lucky on that one. Well, hopefully you will. You never know. I know I certainly wouldn't have much luck on it anyway, Eddie, if I was to put a bet on him, I can tell you that much. Uh, Rachel Blackmore, as far as I can remember, had a decent enough Cheltenham Festival last year. I mean, she's at the top of her game. Uh, is she one to be watching out with a couple of her mounds coming up in Cheltenham as well? Um, yeah, I think we put down that as the understatement of the century there that she had a decent <laughs> Cheltenham last year. She won the 
the champion hurdle, which is the biggest hurdle race at the festival, and she won the Gold Cup. So every other jockey in the world would just love to be Rachel Blackmore last year. Will she have a year like that this year? I don't know. It's you know that's that's like you know going an unbeaten season really in, in sport. It doesn't happen every year, but you know Rachel will always have. She's like she's riding for Henry de Bromhead. He's he's one of the biggest yards in Irish race, and she's gonna she's gonna have lots of fancied horses. Um, there's a horse, there's a mare there, Honeysuckle, won the champion hurdle last year. Anyone that's into horse racing and known as a great story, you know, the mare and, and Rachel have went won a couple of champion hurdles together. Honeysuckle is probably a little bit over the top now, a little bit getting on in age and stuff like that, so it's caught up on her. But she's going to go for the mare's hurdle at Cheltenham. And I actually think on the Tuesday, if Rachel and Honeysuckle were to win the mare's hurdle, I think this could be, you know, a race for the ages. I think it's it's one of these, you know, where were you when that happened moments in sport. And it's, Unfortunately, you know, sometimes sport, it gives you the script. Sometimes it does give you the script and it does give you that great story that you'll have forever. And sometimes it doesn't. I would just love this to be the story that comes out of Cheltenham this year, that Honeysuckle wins the Mayor's Hurdle, row Rachel Blackmore on board, Henry Bromit and Heather, the family had such a terrible year last year with the tragedy of Young Jack. You know, it's just, you know, I know these things don't change anything or anything like that, but I just think it would be the most beautiful story if it could happen that Honeysuckle retires on a on a winning mayor's hurdle at Cheltenham with Rachel in the plate and Henry training him, sorry, her, I should say. It'd just be, it'd be, the, it'd be, it'd be one of them moments where you'd be standing looking at the television with tears rolling down your face. And I just hope that's the case. Well, you never know. We'll just have to wait and see. But no doubt coming closer to the time anyway that you'll be previewing it uh, a lot on your Friday night scoreline with the experts and that is in it uh, as well. And hopefully you're lucky because, as I said, I certainly wouldn't be. So I'm not going to back Honeysuckle because if I did, I can guarantee Eddie Scally you would not win on him. Um, the next big day that you have coming up out in Gorn Park is uh, probably the Ballyhale uh, GAA day that's out there with you on the 11th of March as well um, I'm assuming tickets and all are still available for that day yeah 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 tickets are on sale at the moment we only went on sale uh, yesterday so uh, tickets are you know literally just gone up on it the early bird offer is there at the moment anybody wants to go on to gorenpark.ie but it's, it's, it's a good day for us as well holding plant rental day it's our last jumps meeting of the season believe it or not the season ends that quick for me and we switched to all flat racing from then it's the speed boys from that point but <clears throat> it's the last jumps meeting of the season and, and I must say Holden Plant Rentals have been huge supporters of us and obviously Paul and Catherine are huge supporters of Ballyhale Shamrock so hence the marriage between both that they've you know their, their first love I suppose is horse racing and hurling to be you know probably on par with both for Paul and, and Catherine they're big into their horse racing so it's great that Ballyhale are coming out to us and you know, it made it made the All Ireland final a lot more interesting for me this year in the club because I was as I spoke to Colin Fenley the week beforehand <laughs> and we said we're either going to be presenting All Ireland medals at that race meeting, he said, or there's going to be an awful lot of disappointment Valley Hale people coming out to the the event. So it's it's it, it's brilliant and 50th anniversary of the club. They're having their gala dinner on the race day at the track as well. Um, I think anybody in the club is, is is pushing that they're selling it through the club and you know I hope they'll they'll have a huge crowd of people out for the gala dinner as well because that bunch of players and that club they deserve everyone's you know support and everyone's respect because what they've been doing in Ireland they've literally just ripped up the script they're just they're, they're just the greatest bunch of players and club herders we'll probably ever see yeah well they certainly are the kingpins when it comes to club hurling and no doubt it's going to be a fantastic event uh, both day and evening out there for the club and for yourselves as well Eddie unfortunately that's where I have to leave it this evening my thanks as always for joining me on Monday night full time here uh, and no doubt sure we'll probably be talking to you over the weekend as well as the roles will probably be reversed again on Friday night 
We will. I'll be chatting to you on Friday night as we look ahead to the Camogie action for the weekend. Thanks a million, Martin. No bother at all. Thanks a million. That was Eddie Scally there, the general manager of the Goran Park race course, talking to us about Red Mills Day. Now, we are going to switch uh, momentarily after a quick ad break with Anya Farrell. It's still hard, so hard to get used to that name. But Anya is going to be talking all things Camogie when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Full-time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen commercial vehicles at Lahards, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahardsvolkswagen.ie. Full-time on KCL or your weekend sport in review with Martin Quilty. Yes, welcome back into the show here in KCLR for full time with myself this evening. Now we are going to wrap things up after a busy weekend and of course myself and Anya were in Cusick Park in Ennis yesterday for the very Ireland Camogie Division 1A game between Clare and Kilkenny and it wasn't a good day for Kilkenny, Anya, with Clare coming away with a very impressive victory, it has to be said. How did you find the game went overall? Yeah, like I think to be fair it, it certainly wasn't Kilkenny's day at the office yesterday but you know it's still very much early stages yet but you couldn't take that victory away from Clare um, just the way they approached the game and from start to finish like they really looked like there was no letting up on them um, you know they went in at half time they were 1-5 to 4 points up at half time and you kind of felt like we were waiting for Kilkenny to really kind of come out of the blocks and so they did in the first 10-12 minutes of the second half they had 5 or 6 unanswered points there but you know it was from then that Clare where maybe last Last year they could have been faulted for panicking a bit. They didn't panic at all and they just kept on going away and that second goal then from Anya Lachlan was obviously um, the big decider there for Clare. You know, I think all in all you know what I think you know John Carmody is obviously very happy with the performance from the girls that's a huge huge result Boy, for Clare it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a brilliant result for them and it's going to give them a bit of confidence especially going in against Cork next weekend for Kilkenny obviously massive task now this weekend against Galway um, but you know what as I said it's early days they're only back on the training field a matter of weeks I wouldn't be panicking yet a couple of girls who really really stood up for me I think Jenny Clifford was by far one of the best players that Kilkenny had She her work rate and the way she was just getting in and she was trying to win that dirty ball and like she handed off um, Miriam McGree as we're going to call her now um, to she handed her to she handed her to you know she handed her two lovely points as well so like you know I think Jenny definitely is putting her name up there for contention for um, a jersey in the championship but you know you have to say the likes of you know Denise Gall had a really good she had a good game as well and you know I think Tiffy Fitz as well I think Tiffy has definitely got a lot stronger this year and there was sometimes she was just coming out of the tackle and she was literally blowing the opposition away and you know I think like she'll be happy enough with her performance too but all in all you know obviously not the result that you wanted but you can take the positives from it and it still is early days Yeah Brian <coughs> didn't have too many positives to be fair he was felt the first half was very lacklustre mm. you know they were behind the players it, it wasn't good enough there was a lot of work still to be done in it and like you said he's not going to push the panic button yet yeah. but I mean Kikendi did come out of the, the traps very early in the second half mm. overturned a four point deficit at half time went to point ahead yeah. with the breeze mm-hmm. but they didn't push on from it? No, they certainly didn't. And I suppose, like, listen, there was a couple of wayward passes that were going for Uncle Kenny's part. Like, and it was like nearly there was a slight panic or just that bit of rustiness or whatever the case may be. And a couple of new players in around the field, like you know, things that we're not really used to seeing from from Kilkenny Camogie. Like every time they have a pass, like it's pinpoint precision. They know exactly who's running off each other's shoulder. They just showed a little bit of a rustiness. But like again, it's it's only the first game of the it's only the first game of the league. Certainly not going to. 
we panic and from it they're only going to learn from this I think you know if they had won that game if they come out in the second half and obliterated Kilkenny they definitely are obliterated Clare they definitely wouldn't have learned an awful lot from that yeah, well, they certainly will and like you said Galway now with the weekend it has been confirmed for 3pm mm-hmm. on Saturday at UPMC Nolan Park we're going to be there live as we are going to be live with all of the matches over the weekend and I forgot to say that that game is going to be live also the Alliance Hurling League Division 1B game between Leash and Kilkenny and the Division 2A game between Carlo and Down all live and don't forget KCLR is the only place where you can hear full live commentary of all the national hurling League Leinster Championship and All-Ireland Series games but yeah it's going to be an interesting one but also a couple of other camogie matches were on the weekend as well that involved a couple of schools Yes yeah, certainly did I suppose we have to congratulate congratulate Loretto as senior camogie team who won the All-Ireland there on Saturday what an achievement for them absolutely brilliant and I believe they're in the the, All- the Junior All-Ireland I think is on this weekend so Loretto are kind of hoping to go for the double there you know an, an excellent bunch of players there and if you kind of look at them my God, the wealth of experience they have in that. And of course, we cannot forget Clash Down Ree of Callan. Um, they are actually in their All Ireland final this weekend, too. So, you know, hopefully we'll have another All Ireland title coming back to Kilkenny again this weekend. Perfect. Right. I'm going to let you go and set up for the Come On Pint podcast because I'm nearly up on time just on the rugby front. Uh, Tullow, of course, went top of the Division 1B after a late uh, comeback, but uh, they got the victory um, 24 8 against Longford. Carlo lost to Dundalk with a last minute try by Dundalk uh, they were winning there but they lost out 29-28 uh, however good win for Kilkenny uh, in Monkstown or against Monkstown with a late try and a conversion so well done to all the players involved there right that's it and my time is up here on full time my thanks as always to all of our contributors to Willie Quinlan to Adrian Rowan and to Eddie Scally and of course to Anya Fahey don't forget that we will be back live on Saturday with the Camogie game but for the time being don't forget enjoy your sport over the weekend and until next Monday I'll talk to you then bye keeping you in the game and in the know full time on KCLR with Martin Quilty 